Good morning, church. It's such a privilege, thanks, Deno, to be able to share with you this morning. Um, if it's okay with you, I'd like to just start in prayer um, before we sit down. So why don't you just close your eyes and just look to Jesus for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're so grateful for your presence in our lives, for your guiding hand. Right now, we just surrender what's going on in our worlds to you and we just look to you. We open our hearts to hear from you. Lord, I pray that the words that I speak are from you and they will land on um, hearts and soil that are ready to receive from you and that whatever each individual takes away from today will be exactly what they need to hear from you directly, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. Thank you, wonderful worship team. Makes it a thousand times easier to talk about Jesus after worshipping his name. Always, always a great way to start. Well, I'm going to jump right in this morning because I have a lot to share and hopefully I get through it all. Um, because as you can see behind me, I have been blessed with the topic this morning of Centerville Community Rules, Boundaries and Apologies which um, is a very, 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 very broad subject range. Um, there's so much that we could talk about when it comes to rules, boundaries and apologies. So this morning I have tried to look at those topics from the lens of community and being sent to build community. Because um, as you can imagine, there are rules, boundaries, and some of it does in here, it does apply directly to us this morning. Um, but ultimately, we have these things that we're going to look at this morning to build community together and being sent to build community. So I'm going to jump straight in, starting with number one, which is rules. And for each of these little things, if you are taking notes this morning or you want a little something to like remember each point, I've got a little subheading with every part. So the first one I'm going to start with this morning is rules and rules guide our paths. So rules, you, like, as, as soon as I say the word rules, I'm sure your mind jumps somewhere, whether it was the rules you have in your household as a parent or I remember being at, at primary school and your teacher every morning would kind of remind you of the rules and the expectations of the day and you don't do this. And I remember very clearly in primary school, it's you weren't allowed to have your Tamagotchi out of your drawer. <laughs> if everyone knows what a Tamagotchi is, yeah, I think even the young people know what a Tamagotchi is if it's before your, after before your time. Um, I remember clearly if you had your Tamagotchi with you on the carpet, you got in a lot of trouble. It had to stay in your drawer. It's probably like the modern day version of like not having your phone with you when you're at school. Um, but there are rules that surround us everywhere. Um, there are laws, speed limits, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Policey laws, um, and as citizens we of Australia, we have our own laws to abide by. Other countries have different ones, um, but we are bound to follow these rules as citizens. If we don't, there are consequences. We all know this. Um, but I was thinking as well around the rules, depending on what kind of workplaces and social clubs and sporting groups you might be a part of, um, you may have come across a code of conduct um, or a code of ethics, depending on what you call it. Sporting clubs have them, schools have them, for staff, students, parents, you have them at your workplace. Um, and there are an agreed set of expectations 
for that place so that everyone kind of is on the same playing field. Here our, here's our code of conduct. We're all going to stick to it because this is our agreed set of behaviours. Straight to the Bible. If we think about it, this, for Christians, this is our code of conduct as such. We've been provided with a very wonderful book that is full of knowledge, wisdom, that guides us as Christians, code of conduct from Jesus. And the scripture that came to mind was Psalm 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Guides our path. Rules. Now, I don't want you to hear that and think rules like this is a legalistic thing we have to stick by because that's not what I'm saying at all. But as a starting point, the Bible gives us a code of conduct for how God expects us to behave as believers. And the first set of rules in the Bible that comes to mind is the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were part of the Mosaic Law, so the Law of Moses, and it was a covenant that God made with the Jews when he brought them out of Egypt. They were a comprehensive set of... So the Ten Commandments was just part of the law, but the law was a comprehensive set of religious, moral and civil laws that governed various aspects of life for the Israelites. It covered issues of worship, dietary restrictions, social justice and moral conduct. Primarily, it, was, it had a religious and communal focus. However, the Mosaic Law is not applicable to us today. We have a new covenant with Jesus and we read in Colossians... 2.14. I went for the Passion Translation because it just really has a bit of extra punch. Um, and it says, He, being Jesus, cancelled out every legal violation we had on our record, which was against that law, and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. How amazing is that? That all of that law, that you read the Old Testament, all the scary, weird rules, they do not apply to us because we have a new covenant. So does that mean the Ten Commandments that we all know so well don't apply today? Because they were part of the Mosaic law. Nine of the laws that were mentioned in the Ten Commandments, Jesus repeated as part of his new covenant with us. The one that isn't repeated, which I'm not going to get into because it's, upon researching into it, it's a whole lot of different perspectives on it. But the one that isn't mentioned is about the Sabbath day and that's mainly, like observing the Sabbath, and that's mainly because there's a bit of tension between which exact day it is. So read into that if you want to know more about that. Um, but that's not relevant for this morning. Um, but I wanted to look at the following story in Mark. And Mark 10, starting in verse 17, says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Like, he must have been pretty excited at this moment. He's like, I've done this, I've done it since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he says, one thing you lack, 
He said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this time, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. (laughs) What an opportunity he had before him and then he just went, oh, okay, cancel myself out and he walked away from Jesus, like Jesus in the flesh standing in front of him. Um, And I read further looking at the the little title in the Bible, or in my Bible, above this. And it was about the story, um, it was the rich and the kingdom of God. And so ultimately this story kind of at a glance through is telling us that if you have wealth, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. But upon looking at it more, I was interested in what Jesus was saying. You know, this person was following all of the commandments and the rules and the guidelines that we have. And Jesus said, one thing you lack And as I continued to read through the story, I read, which I didn't give this to the guys at the back, um, Jesus says, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. But there's a little like subnote, and it says down in the bottom that some manuscripts say how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. So it's not saying that if you have wealth, you can't enter the kingdom of God. What it's saying is that this man was not observing the first commandment, which is, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. He was making wealth his God. He, in that moment, was not willing to give up what he had to follow Jesus because he had wealth. And so in that moment, he turned his back, walked away from Jesus and went, well, my money is more important to me. So we have this code of conduct which is a really good set of guidelines to live our life by, the Ten Commandments. Morally, they are things that we as believers, we learn about from a kid. But ultimately, doing good is not what's going to save us. Ticking a box every day, looking at just those Ten Commandments and going, yep, we've done it, yep, we've done it, yep, is not what's going to save us. No man, not even Jesus, is morally good enough to save himself. He even said it himself. No one is good except God alone. We all sin and we all need the forgiveness of sins found only in Jesus. Under the New Testament and the new covenant with Jesus, there is is forgiveness of sins through Christ. When we repent, are baptised and we try to live right and confess our sins. So the rules in the Bible are not there to condemn us. There is a lot there to help guide our path. But ultimately, they really don't mean anything unless we are willing to put God as number one in our lives and lay down our life and follow him. I didn't write this down, but it's just coming back to my memory now. I saw something on Instagram during the week and I'll just, I'm going to think about it for a minute, otherwise I'm going to misquote it. And it was talking about... I wish I didn't bring it up now because I don't think I can say it properly. But it was basically saying um, God doesn't say that he will, like, fulfil all your dreams. But God says, lay down your life and follow me. And then the desires of your heart, which are from him, will come to pass. So I think it was from the Belonging Co. So if you really want to look exactly what it says. But... There's so many times that we can misquote scripture to fit our circumstance when ultimately there is a sacrifice in following Jesus that actually means giving up something of this world to inherit his kingdom. So rules, they're not there to condemn us, but they are to help guide us 
And when we don't quite get it right, we do have the grace of God where we can confess our sins and be forgiven. And he does, he has removed that from us permanently and nailed it to a cross. So rules. Secondly, boundaries. Boundaries guard our heart and mind. Straight away, I went to the two scriptures, which you might be able to guess. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And secondly, Philippians 4.6-7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, known, be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I, this week, have been watching um, a TV series called Alone. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. So the, it's a SBS um, American TV show where they place 10 contestants in the remote wilderness. And when I say remote wilderness, I mean remote wilderness. And they are allowed to take a certain amount of things with them and they have to survive for as long as they can. But the season I've been watching is they have to survive for 100 days, which I looked it up. If you start on January 1st, is like the 14th of April. So it's, a, it's more than three months. They have to survive with only what they have, hunting, foraging, building shelters for as long as they can. And this particular one, they were he- heading into an Arctic winter. So at some point in this series, they were experiencing like minus 36 degrees Celsius in a log cabin with a fire and like someone had made like a fur out of rabbit skins that they'd caught and like whatever they can do to survive. But Without fail, every single episode of this TV show, one of the contestants, if not more, talked about the importance of protecting their mind and not letting it wander from the course that they were on. Because as soon as they started thinking about home, as soon as they started letting themselves believe how hard it was that they couldn't do it, they were out. Like something just went wrong, they accidentally set their shelter on fire and they had to go home. So, yeah, it's terrible. Felt so bad for them. But um, as soon as they let their mind wander, that's what happened. They, all of their focus and concentration of staying on course just went out the window and something got them. And that was just, it just stood out to me because it's such a relevant example of how we need to protect our hearts and our minds as Christians. Because when we are doing that and staying on course for Jesus, if we let our mind and our hearts wander, something can take you out just like that can be a something at work, an offence, whatever it is, if we let our minds move away from what Christ has for us, we can get taken off course. So the best way to avoid doing this is boundaries. Now, you read the word boundaries and like straight away, I think of like playpens for children and things that are designed to like lock us away. But boundaries are actually a really, really helpful and healthy thing for us. Um, for one thing for me, and the reason I brought up the Guardia Hearts and Minds, um, because it's a scripture that I turn to a lot, um, one thing for me that I have to be really, really careful about guarding my heart and my mind about is insecurities. Um, And so I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable this morning and just share some of that with you. And so for me particularly, um, and it's still completely relevant today and I have my bad days, is the fear and Um, the thought of what other people think of me, what other people expect of me, um, and especially the old lovely word, (laughs) people-pleasing. I had a bit of a chuckle because when John was talking about, like, all of the serving I do, I'm like, 
it sounds amazing, but there is an element in there where sometimes that actually does come from a place of not wanting, like a false not wanting to let anyone down and just having to be there for it, be everything to everyone because there's an expectation that I've put on myself. And if I say no, I'm the worst person in the world. I'm so selfish. Um, but then the fears of like what other people think and like reaching out to people and like I'm on school holidays at the moment, which is like such a great opportunity to just be like, hey, I'm going to catch up with some people and see how they're going with life. And then I get crippled with the fear of like, oh, if I message them to see if they want to catch up for a coffee, they'll probably say no. But then if they say yes, I don't actually know them that well. And so then I have to go and like make conversation with them. And then what if there's nothing to talk about? What if it gets really awkward? Or what if I go and then they bail on me last minute and I'm like left sitting in a coffee shop or what it like, it keeps going. I spiral. And so it's easier sometimes to just be like, no, it's fine. I'll just, I won't do it. I'm just, it's a silly idea. I'm just, it's safer to not do it. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take every thought, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Am I letting my thought be obedient to the fears that I'm feeling or am I letting it be obedient to Christ? So that little, if we're going to label it an unhealthy boundary, could read like this. When I let my identity be found in other people's perception of me instead of Christ's perception of me. That is not a very healthy boundary that I still, I'm not, perfect day, it still happens. Um, I think back to last week, if you were here last week, the lovely Kirsten shared a story um, about inclusion. We were talking about inclusion last week, and so I decided to share my side of the story this week. Um, we were talking a little bit about this <laughs> yesterday, um, and um, but the funny part is, is like I vividly remember this and I even went back on my Facebook messages and I can actually see the message from 2019. It's like the 14th of November on a Sunday afternoon and I vividly remember, I don't know if Emily remembers this, but we were standing in Cotton On in Mount Barker after church and I think we had a like our Connect Breakup barbecue for the end of the year that night and we'd just met Kirsten, I don't know if it was that day or the week before. I'd sort of found her on Facebook Storky, her last name wasn't on Facebook, but I found her because she taught with Clara Batham. So I had like, it was not a complete stranger. I did know that. It's a little bit creepy still. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, I know Kirsten works with Clara. So I looked up Clara and then I found Kirsten. And um, I remember standing cotton on and I was like, I'm going to message her. No, I'm not. And Emily's like, just do it. And I was like, no, but like, she'll think I'm such a weirdo because I literally have just stalked her on Facebook. <laughs> Um, and anyway, I was just like, oh, whatever. What's the worst that can happen? I look like a lunatic. I'm just going to do it. So I did it. Um, and Kirsten and I, I was, we were messaging yesterday because I was just like, I think I'm going to share part of this. And the funny part is, is a little bit that Kirsten left out last week um, was that the first time that I invited her, she actually did say no. And it wasn't because she didn't want to come, but she actually genuinely had something on that night. Um, and I looked back at the messages after we were talking and her no wasn't like a no. It was like, thank you so much for inviting me, but I actually do have something on. Um, but I'd love to, like, I'd love to join you next time. So I didn't take it as a rejection. Thankfully, her answer was very kind and welcoming. And I didn't go and crawl in a hole and be like, what have I done? Um, and so I did invite her the next time. And obviously, you heard her side of the story and she did come. But um, I could have so easily not taken that opportunity and I look four years, like literally almost four years later and I have a very dear friend who I might not have had if I hadn't have taken that opportunity. You know what, she might still be here and someone else might have reached out but we might not be as close, I don't know. But you never know what's going to come out when you actually just make your thought and your fears obedient to Christ as opposed to obedient to fear. 
um, for me, not doing those things like not taking the opportunity to do something with someone or invite them out or um, talk to a new person at church, that's like a comfort zone thing for me to not do it. Um, and it's really easy to convince myself that that's a healthy boundary because I'm, I'm just going to not do it because then I'm safe and so nothing's bad's going to happen. So it's okay, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. But a key way of determining if we have a boundary that's God-honouring or not is to remember that we are ultimately called to serve and glorify him, not, our, not people or ourselves. So let's kind of flip that to what a healthy boundary might be. Um, there are no stories in the Bible uh, where God actually coddles our insecurities. Um, I think to Moses when he had a stutter and he said, I, I stutter, and he goes, you've got the wrong guy. Like, I just can't do it. Like, you've got the wrong guy. God didn't be like, mate, you'll be okay. You've got this. He didn't go, you're awesome. You're going to do this. He just turns around and he says, I will be with you and this will be the sign that it is I who have sent you. God doesn't put the power into the person. He goes, doesn't matter. I'll be there. Go. So that's a really good way of like reminding ourselves that we're not doing it in our own strength. Um, Romans 8.17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That, for me, is a boundary that doesn't care what I look like, doesn't care how interesting my hobbies are, it doesn't care if I say something stupid in a conversation. It's a boundary that gives me the authority to say, I am a child of God, I am loved, and I am a co-heir of Christ. That might not be the same for you. This story, you might be like, what are you talking about? I love, you might be the dancing parrot in that video and be like, I love talking to people. Like, I'm not scared. That's, you're crazy. What are you on about? But I'm sure there's something in your life that is in a category of a safe boundary that's actually not healthy when we look at building community. Because for me, that safe boundary stops me from potentially reaching out and having the opportunity to share God with someone at a cafe, in my workplace, wherever I am. We need to set boundaries in our lives, but we need to kind of do a little bit of a boundary audit sometimes to know if the boundary is a wise thing to do or if we're just using it as a, an excuse to preserve our comfort. So you can ask yourself, if, you, if anything comes to mind, is this a boundary that's helping me prioritise what God has asked me to prioritise or is it a boundary that's helping me prioritise my own comfort? God says, go and make disciples. Listen to Pastor John's message from last week about inclusion. That's what he asks us to prioritise. So if our boundaries are not in alignment with that, then they're not probably a wise boundary. Sometimes for you, it might mean that you have to get out of your literally comfortable, comfy zone and go to prayer night at 7.30 or go to connect group because whatever's on TV is probably not going to fill your soul as much as the other things. Um, maybe it is letting yourself go of a boundary of how clean your home needs to be before you allow your connect group to meet in it together. Maybe it's as simple as setting a boundary to ensure that you actually have space to meet with God and you're not, as John was saying earlier, filling it with busyness for busyness sake, which they're preaching at me because I can do that very well. So take some time, have a look at your boundaries and audit whether 
they help you prioritise what God has for you or whether you're preserving your own comfort. And the last one, apologies. I have to (laughs) apologise because I wrote all this beautiful stuff and I was reading it this morning um, and it's really not about apologies at all. So um, I'm going to go with it because I believe that maybe it's something God's given me. But I'll just start with apologising and being honest that it's more about forgiveness than it is about apologies. Um, So the third one is apologies, creating a culture of mercy and grace. And this is really where it comes down to being sent to build community. The word community is derived from the Latin communitas, meaning the same, which is in turn derived from communis, which means common, public, shared by all or many. So we can somewhat interpret the word community to be, to mean that we are unified by what we share in common which forms our community, whether that's a workplace, a community group, or here at church. We are a community of believers. A key part to the word community is unity. In Colossians 3, 12 to 14, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Creating a culture of grace and mercy, here in church especially, but wherever we go, is so important. Isn't it so comforting to know that if you trip up or make a mistake, you can walk into this community and not be met with judgment, be met with the same grace and mercy that God so generously offers us. It doesn't mean that, you know, if we do make a mistake, it doesn't mean there aren't consequences, but it doesn't mean, it means that we're not condemned for them and we're not judged. However, the verse in Colossians is very clear that it's actually something we have to choose to do. In verse 12, it says, clothe yourselves. And in 14, it says, put on love, which indicates that it's not the natural go-to response. It's a choice that we each individual one of us have to make. We have to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And we have to put on love because they are completely against what the world expects when it comes to people making mistakes. We Multiple stories in the Bible where people are judging, cursing, throwing stones. And Jesus every time reminds us that that is not the way of his kingdom. Grace is a gift from God that we cannot earn and we absolutely do not deserve. God's mercy means we do not receive the punishment we deserve for the sins we've committed and we receive God's forgiveness, but we must embrace his grace and mercy first. It's really hard. We can verbalise that we accept God's forgiveness, but it doesn't become real to us unless we actually humble ourselves and accept his grace and mercy. But we then need God's power to offer grace and mercy to anyone else who has wronged us or needs our forgiveness. It's actually pretty selfish of us to receive God's mercy and grace for ourselves, and then refuse to offer it to other people. It's completely against what he asks us to do, but it's it's actually really stubborn and selfish. So we have to work together to create a culture of grace and mercy, which helps us create a space for belonging rather than a place where if we come and we mess up, we live in fear that we are just going to be cast out. That doesn't give us a very safe sense of belonging, does it? You live on edge. 
How comforting is it to know that someone could walk walk into church this morning or next week or you could invite a friend and you know that they're coming into a safe place where regardless of their past, they will be met with a culture of grace and mercy and not with a spirit of judgment. I would hate personally to be the reason that someone walks into this place and doesn't get the opportunity to receive that from Jesus because I've withheld it myself. Grace and mercy. So, to summarise, there was a lot to get through. So, if you need a recap any of it, you can go back and watch it online or listen to the podcast. But to summarise, rules guide our path. Boundaries guide our hearts and minds. And creating a culture of forgiveness fosters unity and grace within a community. These three things together are essential for being part of a supportive community where we can grow spiritually and we can build meaningful connections and we can create a place of belonging for ourselves and for other people to join. So I'd like to invite the worship team back up just as we finish this morning. Rules, guide our path, boundaries, guide our hearts and mind in creating a culture of forgiveness fosters unity and grace within a community. This morning, as we just come around finishing in a time of prayer, there are three things there that I want to offer the opportunity for you to meet with God about. But first and foremost, with every eye closed here, just taking a second away to block out other distractions, whether you're here or whether you're watching online, wherever you are right now. The most important part of this is remembering that God did nail all of our sins to a cross with Him. As I read before in Colossians, He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto His cross nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. That is a promise for each and every one of us. He didn't just do it for the person on your left or the person on your right, in front or behind. He did it for you. And if you were the only one worth dying for, He would do it over and over again so that you can be a child of God, a co-heir with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. So right now, I just, before we look at the other three things, I just want to give anyone here an opportunity, if you haven't accepted that public cancellation of your sins from Jesus on a cross, I want to give you the opportunity before we leave today to claim that for yourself, to believe that Jesus died for you, to wash your sins clean, to delete them permanently so they cannot be retrieved. Right now, Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy and that ultimate display of Your love on a cross. We thank You for the permanence of that statement that we cannot retrieve the things that we have laid at Your feet, that they are done, they are washed away. 
And right now, if we haven't accepted you into our lives, Lord, we just open the door. I'm not gonna ask anyone to do anything crazy, every eye is closed, but if you wanna just claim that for yourself with no one else watching, just take a moment to reach out to God and put your hand up. We can pray for you after the service, but that is the first step of a walk with Jesus, knowing that He has done all of this for us. And if you're online and that speaks to you this morning, there is a link on our website that you can follow a salvation prayer. Thank you, Jesus. I'd just love to invite everyone else to stand right now. Before we enter into a little bit of extra worship, uh, we are finishing with the song Miracle Power today, which is just, I believe, yep, good, I'm getting a nod. Um, it's such a powerful song about the miracle power of God. And so as we sing this, I want to give you the opportunity to, if any of those three areas spoke to you, if there are boundaries that you know that you need to leave at the foot of Jesus, or if there's unforgiveness, or there's something that you feel like you're being judged for, something that you want to receive God's forgiveness for, I want to invite you to come down and receive prayer or just linger in the Holy Spirit because with the power of God, these things can shift. With the power of God, boundaries can change. We can be filled with His confidence of boldness to get rid of the fears and insecurities because He is a wonderful God that is miracle working, miracle working. So as we sing this morning, and that speaks to you, just come down the front, it's open during the song after the service for you to just take a moment to breathe in the Holy Spirit with God and just say, God, new chapter, new boundary, new forgiveness, new healing, whatever that looks like for you. Thank you, team.